I really think at the bottom of um, alcoholism and addiction is kind of uh, like a broken, not being able to love yourself fully. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, oh I don't so know how, how do you learn to love yourself? You know, that I think it's a long process, you know, because I, I don't know about you, but I'm very critical mm-hmm. of myself. So, I mean, one of the things I started doing was I realized, like, I would swear at myself all day. I'd be like, you stupid fuck, you know, to myself. <laughs> I would talk to myself, like, in a way that if somebody else said the same thing to me, I'd punch him in the face. Sure. And um, that's, like, one of the things I've tried to reverse. I don't talk to myself like that anymore. In the midst of the torn 70s With bad memories, bad habits and sworn enemies Terrifying prospects, baptizing fire Black Irish chips eat fast lives and liars Cars with fast tires, bitches with no morals Money with no questions, caskets with no florals Bodies with no headstones, third naps and apathy I grew up in this, now the worst cats is after me Junkies and carnalists with the rivals and survivalists Odds amidst a deep abyss, I sleep with this cannabinist No wonder why this vibe is twisted when you ride with us We can't get rid of all the Welcome back to the Well Man Podcast with Annie and O'Malley. We talked with Slane, a MC out of Boston, about his life and sobriety. Slane has been in many movies, including Gone Baby Gone and The Town. He has individual albums. His latest, titled One Day, was released in November of 2019. And he has many collaborations with various artists and is a member of the underground hip hop group. La Coca Nostra with a previous guest of ours, Danny Boy, originally from House of Pain. We hope you enjoy listening to him as much as we enjoyed having him on. Enjoy. The Woman Podcast is brought to you by Swish 30. Swish 30 delivers instant focus, increased stamina, and accelerated recovery. It is gluten-free, dairy-free, keto, and vegan-friendly, promotes healthy sleep cycles, energy without jitters, and supports your immune system. Swish 30 is activated by swishing and swallowing, becoming bioavailable within seconds. Use one ounce, swish for 30 seconds, and then swallow. And if you go to swish30.com right now and use promo code WILLMAN, you'll get 10% off your online purchase of Swish 30. That's S-W-I-S-H-3-0.com. And use the promo code WOMAN for 10% off your online purchase. Feel better, live better, perform better, all at the speed of Swish. The masters of the dark odds, passengers smashed up in the car pods. Glass sticking into the last tick in the hot hots. This is a massacre, it's the underground of passengers. Fiercest of the animals that run around in Africa. Bastard kids of Lazarus, the laughter of the scavengers. Painted on the ceilings of the chapels of the savages. There's nothing left that could embarrass us. We conquered the jungle, built a kingdom, and destroyed the whole establishment. Just the idea, the unseen is insane. The whole world seen through one dream from one king. The pace walk from a gun duel with a ten chant. The out of war, not a sun suit, but a Rembrandt. 
to many who pursue what we do. We bear fruit from the tree of life and feed it through the root of evil. For thousands of years, power polluted people. Now I trust the brands. They do that. Hey. Hey. Hey, what's up? How's hey. it going? Nice to finally meet you. Nice to meet you too. I'm Annie. I don't, I don't <laughs> wondering who's this person saying they're nice to meet me. How you doing? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Who's on the line? I'm um, Annie. And I'm O'Malley, so I'll sound a little bit more West Coast. Um, and you've been talking with me for, I don't know how long now, a couple weeks. And um, yeah. Annie is the Jersey, um, New York sounding. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to apologize right now for my awful accent. I, there's absolutely nothing I can do, even though I try. <laughs> yeah, I got one too. So. <laughs> Yeah, but you have that like really cool Boston accent. So I'm just gonna, I'm just, I'm just depending, not. depending on who you ask. <laughs> no, yeah. I like the Boston accent. I do. One of my really good friends is from New Bedford, and I love to imitate him. It's so I'm terrible at it, but it's just so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on because um, not only have I um, enjoyed your music, I I posted earlier that I actually saw you on May, I think, 14th, 2014 at, uh, I believe, the Mill East. And you were with oh, Mad cool. Child. You were at Mad Child at the time. And uh, Chainsaw had just come out. I was newly sober. Yes, you were. And, and Nako, actually, before I went, he said, make sure you say hi. And I'm never the type to say hi. I'm the wallflower. I'm I'm just going to get in and get out. So afterwards, he's like, "What you know? What'd you think? You know, get to say hi to him?" I was like, "No," <laughs> and he got so mad at me. He's like, "Why'd you do that?" But yes, you were you were definitely new, newly sober, and that place was um, filled with non-sober people. It always is. It always <laughs> is. It always is. So the world is is filled with non-sober people. Yeah, so, yeah. I used to be one of them. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of why we we wanted you to come on. We've talked with, um, you know, Danny and his his journey has been so interesting. And um, and he you know, he talks about it so, you know, so openly. And he talks about how his sobriety um, ended up giving him the opportunity to go and tour the areas where when you're when you get into a new city, he would go and look around. And that's kind of how he started Delta Bravo and then obviously the Outsider's House and how that's kind of helped him. But he always mentions you when he does it or almost always mentions you about how even though you guys used to party and he got clean before, your sobriety he says that you are so much more advanced than he is that anytime he needs (laughs) (laughs) he's he'll say anytime he needs to look at is is this working all he has to do is look to you well i think danny saw me so bad in such a bad way for so long you know because danny got sober way before i did years and years and he would tour with me and we'd be on the same tour bus and he was newly sober. And I was, you know, probably I was drinking two fifths a day. I was doing every drug I could. I, uh, you know, and I was a nuisance and it was also kind of like my moment where I had been working my whole life to get there. And it was a big party to me, you know, and to him, you know, he had really 
hit huge levels of success with House of Pain, obviously. I mean, I had his poster on my wall when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, I was four, 14 years old at that time. I was at the beginning of my drinking. He was already, you know, playing huge venues and, you know, he was, he had reached a level of stardom at a young age. And uh, I didn't meet him till years later. And uh, he was an idol of mine, along with Everlast and, and Lethal. So when I got out on the road with them, that was kind of like my moment. Like I had arrived and he was newly sober and I was a nuisance to everybody. <laughs> so <laughs> there were, uh, there were times where, like interventions and stuff like that on the road. And you got to tell him to s- slow down and all that. And I mean, I, he tried to get me sober a bunch of times. I would relapse over and over and over. And that was kind of an ongoing thing for me. I, I went to, um, you know, a 12 step program when I was 18 years old, I didn't get sober till I was 36 and I continued to go to it for 18 years. And I would never get, I would get 11 days, 13 days, 17 days, 19 days. It took me 15 years to get 30 days. So, um, do you yeah, remember think, the moment that it, that switched for you? I don't know if it was a moment that it switched for me. When I came, when I was 36, I was so beaten up. And when I tried to get sober, I just had no faith it would work. The, the, you know, I didn't think that my last, what ended up being my last drink would be my last drink. I had relapsed so many times. It wasn't even relapse. I just had brief intervals of, you know, abstinence mm-hmm. from alcohol. And um, I, just nothing worked for me. You know, I just had lost the power of choice with the, with the alcohol and drugs. And uh, I was kind of an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. I just, I, including myself, I had no hope that I could even get sober. It's just that the, the next thing I was about to lose uh, was the one thing that I just couldn't bear losing. And that was my relationship with my son. So it wasn't like a threat from anybody. It was just apparent to me that, um, you know, I was not going to be able to be a father anymore. And, uh, you know, that shook me to the core and it put a lot of, it put a healthy fear in me. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of the two things that can really wake you up are uh, love and fear. And I had a good dose of both. You know, I, I, uh, I don't know that I loved myself, but I loved my son. And that was enough to give me the willingness to put the work into uh, a recovery program. And, um, you know, and I was afraid to lose them too. So Absolutely. Um, those were the things that, uh, that really kind of, that was the thing that really shook me. I mean, I talk about the details of the story on this new album and um, mm-hmm. on this song called The Day Before I Died. Larry Bird or a land bias Only so many voices that I can't quiet 
Only so many traumas I can withstand How long can I possibly make amends by it? My own family is here sinking in quicksand I thought I beat the odds, I'm a product of my environment I'm mentioned since I'm brought up with narcotics to get high I can wish upon a star and take a shot up at the sky But no matter where I go, I'm still rotting on the inside My pride, fucking with me like it's tougher to decide If I should resuscitate or just suffocate and die I wish I could find a serum But that's an addict in me looking for a pill to cure The day before I die anymore so I have to be true to myself sometimes I write songs and 
and don't put them out because I think they might hurt somebody I love, but I have to get it out. And then sometimes, you know, when it's kind of like a fine line, I run it by the person that might be involved in it and uh, and make the decision from there, not to get off on a a different tangent. No, no, that's, that's what we're, that's what (laughs) we're looking for. We're, I mean, it's really about, there are going to be people who, you know, feel like they're alpha males too. And how can I relate to anybody, you know, because the guy in their office isn't the same type of guy they are, or there's a woman who doesn't understand how to, how to go about it. And they're going to hear you and make a life change, whatever that is. It doesn't necessarily have to be drugs or alcohol, but there are um, many different things that we all do um, to probably more or less cope with something else, which leads me to you put up that um, kind of that meme of sorts. I don't even know what to call a meme when it's just written, but that unpopular opinion, the weed isn't a gateway drug, you know, alcohol isn't a gateway drug. It's, it's trauma. That's the gateway. And I, you know, obviously that, and, and half of your songs, I believe you're talking about, you know, the streets that you grew up on and, and, and the things that you were used to. And, um, it has to come from there. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, and that, by the way, I didn't invent that meme. I saw Right. And, oh, no. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> and, so, and, I, and I kind of put my own thoughts underneath it in the caption. But um, absolutely. And that's kind of, that's one of the things, you know, when you get sober, I mean, the and first of all, the first thing you got to do is just not drink and not get high. And that is so overwhelming in the beginning because you just so, you know, it's such a habit, you know, physically, you know, the physical craving for it, the mental obsession, and then the spiritual hole that we have. So it's all of those things. And, you know, you're up against such a massive tidal wave of stuff that it really takes years and years and years to like really get to the bottom of stuff. I mean, I'm coming up on, on six years, a couple of weeks from now, less than a couple of weeks, March 3rd. Okay. And, uh, I mean, these past four or five months, um, I've really just been getting to the bottom of, you know, and I, and I delved into a lot of stuff in the beginning of my sobriety, but probably, you know, I think we deal with what we're ready to deal with and stuff mm-hmm. more is revealed in time. And, and, um, that's so true. You know, I had I, I had some losses last year that really were painful. And I was like, what is this about? Why is this so painful? And, you know, I had to get to the bottom of stuff that it triggered in me from when I was a kid. Right. And then you got to go and face the stuff that you buried deep from 35 years ago. And, oh, man, I mean, it's an ongoing process. That's why, I like, you know, when you're in recovery, it's recovery. It's like you're not truly fully recovered you know what I mean it's like if you if you think you are like that's a bad spot to be in you know it's it's there's always more work to be done and and this stuff that comes up you know I think the power of the universe God whatever you want to call it put stuff in your path when you're ready to uh to deal with it and kind of move on to the next state of kind of awareness and consciousness and it's difficult, you know, that's the hardest part about sobriety for me. Do you think you remember stories 
different now from being sober, remembering them versus when you were drinking, remembering them? I don't think I remember much. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's a weird sensation. Um, and I, specifically in the beginning of my sobriety, I remember people coming up to me, like they know me and, mm-hmm. and I have no idea who they are. You know what I mean? Like, Right, even stuff day. when you're a kid, like stuff from way back when, like, do you think the stuff that you like tried to put out of your head and like when you would be drinking and doing stuff to not remember like the earlier stuff now that you're focusing on it and dealing with it and forcing yourself to, you know, come to the, you know, have that come to Jesus moment with things like, are you remembering them different? Do you have different perspectives of how things went down? Yeah, I'm, you know what, though? Some stuff I don't even remember clearly. It's so mm-hmm. long ago, and, and you run from things, mm-hmm. you bury things, and I just remember, it's more like um, it's more like a sense of some of the stuff. It's like, you know the feeling exists in you, and you know this trauma, but you don't, you, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like the details are really clear. It's just, you know, it's just almost like it's part of you. And it's, and it's a, it's like a, a torn part of you that you need to mend. Wow. And it's not easy. It's like water over a stone. It does. It's not like I can be aware of something. I can know the right thing that I need to do and still not like when it comes to forgiving myself, mm-hmm. that's kind of the thing I've really been working on lately. When you find an answer of how to do it. Oh, please tell us. And call me and let me know what you did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a tough thing, right? It's like, Horrible. I can know in my head, like, all right, that wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. I was doing the best I could at that time with the tools that I had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was sick. You know, like if I look at stuff I did in active addiction, it's like I can, I know, all right, this, I was, I was sick at the time and, and, and these were the tools I had and I was traumatized from different things and none of it was my fault and I've become a better man because of it. And I can know that in my head and still not forgive myself fully in my heart. Does that make sense? Yeah. 100%. 100%. You know, you're still human. <laughs> that's, that's Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a really big, that's a, that's a tough bridge to cross because I, I really think at the bottom of, um, alcoholism and addiction is kind of uh like a broken not being able to love yourself fully mm-hmm. and um you know oh God, i don't so know true. how how do you learn to love yourself you know that i think it's a long process you know because i i don't know about you but i'm very critical mm-hmm. of myself so i mean one of the things i started doing was i realized like i would swear at myself all day i'd be like you stupid fuck you know to myself Mm-hmm. I would talk to myself like in a way that if somebody else said the same thing to me, I'd punch him in the face. Sure. And um, that's like one of the things I've tried to reverse. I don't talk to myself like that anymore. Well, it's kind of like with I, your uh, kid, right? You say, you know, you don't want anybody saying stuff that's negative to him because eventually he'll begin to believe it. You know, you have to kind of treat yourself like you're your own parent. Exactly. And that's, that's like, um, you know, I realized um, I went through like a really tough breakup uh, about five months ago. And I realized like the things that I would, I've, that nobody has ever talked to me the way that I would talk to um, 
to my ex, and I mean in a positive way, where I'm like, I got you, I love you, don't worry about it, everything is going to be good. And like the way that I would always talk to her, <clears throat> I never talked to myself like that. Nobody ever really talked to me like that. So like now, I'm trying to reverse that, and I know it sounds corny, but it's not like, at all. Trying to tell, tell myself like, I got you, we're good, I love you, you're a good dude. You know what I mean? Like nobody ever said that to me. And it's, it's like, if you don't, if you can have somebody else like that, why can't you have yourself like that? You know, I, I think like it's an important, and as a matter of fact, is you can't have yourself like that and you can't love yourself like that, then how can you love anybody else like that? You can't transmit something that you don't have. I agree you with know? you 100 percent. And that's not corny or goofy or anything. That's that's something that you like I think that's a part of growing that's part of being an adult like you have to see that for yourself and not give a shit what somebody else thinks I, I agree with right. you 100%. So I think you know like we see the the Saturday Night Live spoof with um I love you and you're good enough and blah 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 and yeah, yeah. Get, uh, Stuart Smalley so it's, yes. like, it's, kind of, it's kind of a joke right but you know but it's a joke because like nobody talks to themselves like that, and that's looked at as being corny. But they how should. is it corny? You know. Well, how I is it corny? Danny had after Danny came on, he was telling me about his gratuity list and how he sends. Yes. He has like a few people on his list that he sends it to. So every now and again, I'll like shoot him like a something like because it it's true. You wake up in the morning. And you don't really focus on the positives. You just don't. Like, you're like, fuck, I got to do this, this, and that today. Jesus. Like, that's the first thing I think of when I get up in the morning a lot of times. And after talking to him, I'm like, nope. Like, I'm going to take in what I can, and I'm going to start my day positive. And what am I happy about today? What am I thankful for? And I love that he brought that to my attention. Because sometimes you don't think of something if unless someone points it out to you. Then once they do, it's hard not to unknow it. So now every morning I have to get up and I have to think of something that I'm, you know, what am I grateful for today? Because I, if I don't, I feel like I'm letting Dan down now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the gratitude lists are big. I, I, I love uh, it. I do them pretty frequently myself. But the first three years or so that I was sober, I did them every day religiously. And then I kind of fell off them a little bit and I've been getting back to them, uh, you know, the past four or five months and really kind of, I mean, it really it changes your brain chemistry. It really does. It because uh, anybody can tell you what's wrong. I mean, I could have, and that's kind of the point of it. I have so many amazing things in my life, but if I have one or two things that I really am upset with, like you said, I can wake up first thing in the morning, thinking about that, mm -hmm. dissecting it, coming up with seventeen different scenarios of how it might go, catching resentments at each one of them that didn't actually happen getting mad at things that people, you know, someone might say back to me, you know, and I can spin in that negativity if I'm not careful. So it's like the gratitude list can kind of reset. Like, <clears throat> you know, I have food, clothing, and shelter. Mm -hmm. I have like, you know, I have a car that works that I can drive around in. My son is healthy and happy. I'm present in his life. I'm sober. You know, like, I mean, even just like I have hot water, I used to not have hot water. I have a I have a toothpaste and a toothbrush. Like these are just things that we take for granted. Like, you know, my my limbs work, my my body functions, my mental capacities are intact. 
you know, all these things like you never think of at all during the course of a day. But when you start listening to them and it's like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, that's true. You have a lot, in fact. You know, like it's nice that they see that there's so many of them. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, when you really look at it, like, I mean, there's so much abundance in life. It's, you know, especially, I mean, you know, there's just so many things that, uh, and it's not even about things even. It's really just like, I have such an abundance of friendship and, and love in my life. And, you know, to get bogged down on like the actions of somebody that you don't like or, or, you know, how you want something to go, or you feel like you got kind of cheated out of a situation that you should have had or whatever. I mean, those are negative emotions. You're going to live in that negative mind state. So it's not a good place to be. Isn't it crazy how you can have 30 amazing things and that one little thing that's negative haunts your brain? Well, it's like that in the, like social media, for instance, right? Like there could be a hundred comments like, dude, that's the most amazing video I've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. I love it, but it's inspiring. And then the one asshole mm-hmm. will get you like, you know. 100%. My husband and I just had this conversation yesterday. It's true. One negative comment. And you're like, you know, well, why did he say that? Like, what? And meanwhile, there's 70 other positive things that you should be focusing on. Our minds and automatically it, go to the negative. So weird. It, it, it started to bother me um, a lot last recently because it's like, you know, your every your outward reality is a reflection of who you are inside. So, like, think about how lonely and angry somebody who just goes on the internet and leaves negative, not even mm-hmm. just negative, but hateful kind of comments. Yep, it's a it's a pretty sad existence. Keyboard yeah. bullies. <laughs> we talk about them often. Yeah, we had, we had some yesterday going off on females and. Oh, it was interesting. And, you know what? And I'm not, I'm, I, I won't even say that in a judgmental way because I actually scanned back on, you know, you can go on Facebook and look at your posts from 2010 and stuff. Yeah. Or whenever, you know, years ago, uh, I was not a happy camper. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of negative stuff, stuff on there that I posted that I would never today, you know? So you know, sometimes people are just in a bad place. You got to have kind of mm-hmm. try to have compassion for people who are that negative. Because like I said, it's like, it's a lonely, sick place, angry place to be. And I've been there. So <laughs> that, that social media reminder is something that obviously people 30 years ago didn't have. And that kind of goes back to what Annie was talking about at the beginning of like, what what do you like kind of, you know, remember differently or what have you, you know, prior or into now and to be able to look back, I think, and see your posts from a darker time and think, Jesus Christ, why did I, you know, like, what the hell, what, why was I doing that? Um, is, you know, for all that social media is a, a decline, it can sure give us a mirror into our life at that point. Yeah, you know, those humbling. types of posts. Do you keep it's them humbling. because you want to be reminded of how far you've come or do you ever like do you do you ever get tempted to just delete them, or do you keep them because you want to? No, be- it's not that. It's not. It's not that I keep them. I just didn't even realize it. You know, it went all the way that far back. And when I went back, I was scanning down my page, and I was like, "Oh, 2010." I clicked, 
and I was looking at some of just the stuff I would post and I was like, Oh God, I didn't, you know, I'm not going to go back and delete my entire social media history. I mean, it is what it is, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't keep them there necessarily. I don't need to be reminded of that. Well, some people do. Some people want it like, cause they say to themselves, you know what, like to your point, like of saying how great you are, I got you. Like talking to yourself, your conscience, speaking to yourself, like, like, look how far you've come. You've come so far and you're doing so well. Um, there was um, something about, and I know we uh, touched on it briefly when um, Danny was talking to us about his sobriety and how it made him realize he needed to control his expectations uh, um, or it will throw off like his serenity or his balance. And um, he was talking about how lucky, you know, he, he says, you know, I to have what happened to him with like house of pain. He's like, I should be so lucky. Like that's already happened. Like I, I need to be eternally grateful for that. And then be understanding of the situation I am in now. And that not to have wild expectations about maybe somebody swooping down and granting, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to the outsider house because he knows he has to work for it. So he's kept himself in this like very humble, expectation uh, to keep himself balanced. And I'm wondering, how do you go about that in your life? Because you don't have like a one constant uh, thing like Outsider's House um, to focus on that's just yours. I know you do movies and you do your own music and your family, but I'm wondering how you go about doing that. I mean, managing expectations, that's a hard thing because a lot of times you unconsciously do it or you assume you're making the, um, a, you know, a reasonable expectation. And that, that's actually something that I still struggle with because I kind of fill in the blanks on, you know, I, I, I expect this person is going to be this, that, and this. And, and when they let me down, I, I, uh, you know, I suffer. So I think that's, I mean, that's kind of like a human condition and, um, yeah, it's definitely something I'm still working on because I definitely set expectations for myself. I'm a storyteller too, so I I love to uh, conjure up like a story in my head of what I'm supposed to, where I'm supposed to be, and what's supposed to be next. And orchestra, I want to orchestrate this, you know, kind of heroic plan for myself, and then uh, you know, kind of build my expectation up to an unattainable level, and then beat myself up when I fall short of it. You know what I mean? So that's uh, that's something I struggle with for sure. That's probably that may be the biggest thing I struggle with is is actually my expectations. So do you go into situations with a very tempered enthusiasm, or do you put you put things in your head and you have them big, or do you kind of go in like "Mm, I'm kind of worried about this? I'm very positive when you know I uh, probably overly positive when it comes to things, and then. I think I can I can get negative when my expectation or people or situations fall short of my expectation. That's something I definitely uh, struggle with. But that kind of is what you from like just from what I like. I know Mally is a diehard. She knows all your songs. She knows every album. She's <laughs> so, she's such a. I'm not, a fan. I'm not even a stalker because I was like, I need to look some of this stuff up. <laughs> and, it's, and, it, and I laugh because we, she and I are so different. Not that oh, I don't. And I don't mean in disrespect. I don't mean that I'm not a huge fan. I absolutely am. I just don't know the music end of 
I'm just not a music person just in general. I forgot. I lost my train of thought. I'm really happy out here. No, no, I don't, we were, I don't know. We were talking about expectations and, uh, and building up like a storyline in your head about your life and like your trajectory and opportunities, yeah. situations, people. You mentioned that I, I knew a bunch of, a bunch of his stuff. So you were going to go somewhere. I, know, I, had I such don't a good know. Point, and I got so distracted because I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to insult him. I don't mean to say that I, that I don't, I don't, I don't know anything, but you you get yourself so worked up about something and you get so excited to try it that when it doesn't come to fruition, do you just get yourself equally as let down? Yes. I, yeah. I mean, I get let down. I, I more get abusive with myself. So I'll, I'll, uh, you know, kind of, I got like this, this, I got this, uh, George bat where I just beat myself with it. <laughs> you know, I'm, that's, uh, you know, that's like that self-loathing. It's like, you know, setting it up to, and I think we're dreamers, you know what I mean? So I think Danny kind of falls in the same category. I don't know if he beats himself up quite as much, but, uh, you know, we, we come up with these really creative ideas and, you know, yes, and people that was think where my train of thought was going. <laughs> people think we're crazy, you know. No, and we but that's what that. gives you motivation. That's where you get your motivation. That's where you get your your you know your muses yourself. Like you, you have so much passion inside you that, like, that's that's exactly where I was going when I was saying O'Malley is a huge fan of your music and stuff. You you take that passion and that enthusiasm and you harness it, and you whether it's your positive energy or your negative energy. You use that through your art. And I think that's absolutely incredible. I wish I had that capability. That's what separates yeah, I mean, from every ordinary guy that's in Boston. I mean, you've, you are such a success story. Now on top of it, you're able to, you know, you're doing every day you're waking up and doing the sobriety thing. That's, that's fantastic. You should be looking at yourself in the mirror saying, you know, you're, you're fucking awesome that you can do this every day. You keep yourself very, very relevant. And you use all that passion to do so. Good for you. I wish I had that. Well, I mean, the music has always been a coping mechanism for me. And, uh, you know, the problem was that drugs and alcohol were too. And the two of them went together. So when I got sober, I had to be ready to give up the music. And um, because I would relapse over and over and over and over again in the studio, recording was just really hard for me to write and record. It was so attached to drugs. What if you, you know, did like presentations was, now? Like, what if you started like the, like, like the music part of it, you were saying it goes hand in hand with the drugs and stuff, but you ever hear like, like my father-in-law does these recitations where he tells stories from, he's from Ireland and he tells the old stories. He, he's, he learned them all by heart when he was on a deep sea fishing boat and stuff. Like what if you approached it, took a different approach to the storytelling? Well, I'll tell you what, I, um, I awesome. worked through that. So that was in the beginning of my sobriety. And I thought, there's no way I can do this anymore. And I ha I'm willing to give it up. That was kind of how I surrendered. That, that was kind of what I attribute my sobriety to is because I had to be willing to surrender my will, right? So what I want mm -hmm. and my own stuff, I had to surrender it for another human being. So I had to surrender it so I could be a father to my son. And, um, so I did do that. However, as I continued in my sobriety, I found out that it was such an integral part of who I was, like, you know, and that I didn't need drugs and alcohol to be creative. And 
I'm not going to lie. It was a struggle for years, you know, years. I think I kind of broke through creatively. And we put out a Lacoca album. I put out a, uh, the Slain is Dead EP. I did an album with Terminology. All those was really slow, pro- a really slow process of recording. I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't accustomed to that. I was used to going in the studio, recording, writing and recording three songs a night. Like going with nothing but a bottle and some cocaine, and I would come out 12 hours later with three brand new songs almost every single time I went to the studio. And, um, you know, then when I got sober, it was like pulling teeth. It was, I would have to leave in the middle of the session because I wanted to get high, or um, I just would have writer's block. And, uh, you know, I was doing like one verse at a time. I switched my hours. I, instead of going in overnight, I went in from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. In the beginning, I would have to leave at like 12.30 or 1 because I was frustrated. And it was, you know, like I said, water over a stone. Over time, it really started to come back in a big way. And then I, I was going through a lot of pain last year. And boom, it was like an avalanche of creativity. And, um, and it's continued. So. That's where I'm at right now. That's got to feel good. Like you still got it. You, you just, you still got it. Yeah. I just wish it wasn't triggered so much with pain. (laughs) (laughs) But then you wouldn't be human. You know, you have to, like we, like, you know, that was something I was thinking about when you were saying before, when you were like, um, you know, you're going through this and you're going through that and, and, and the sobriety, everybody has a vice. Like, I know that it's not, everybody doesn't have a disease. Like I think, you know, alcoholism is definitely a disease. Drug addiction is definitely a disease, but everybody has a vice. And if anybody tells you that they don't, they're lying or, or they just are in denial. Everybody has oh, their yeah. vice. Everybody goes through their thing. And yours, unfortunately, is one that's chemical. That's very, like you, it's, you know, you, you can't control that. And you're doing, I think the fact that you're doing as well as you're doing, that's, you, that's extremely commendable, but everybody's yeah, got I, one. I still got other vices. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. Oh God, I'm dying to ask. <laughs> no, I don't want to ask because then he's going to ask me what mine are. Then I got to be. Then I got to be candid. And I've been pretty candid today. about my vices. I mean, my DMs lately have been insane. People asking me if I really do like certain things. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll tell I'll tell you what. Uh, music is a great vice for me in the in the sense anything that I put. I I, I kind of picture it like this. I have this pathway in my brain that's very addictive, and anything that I put in that pathway. I can get addicted to and do compu- and do obsessively. So, right. you know, it's good if I put the gym and writing in there because mm-hmm. those are healthy, productive things for me. You know, it's, sometimes I can put like playing poker in there and I can put ice cream in there and I could put <laughs> smoking cigarettes in there and caffeine and, and I do put all those things in there. But, uh, you know, and I can find myself like, whoa, I've had a... Uh, Six iced coffees today, big ones. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Usually, people uh, are telling me that that's what I had. <laughs> They're like, "How many coffees did you have?" <laughs> so now, when you when you get focused on music, is it always the same type? Like, do you ever get 
this desire to switch diff, like a different genre of music. Like I think that guy, you, ever, you know that guy Danny Elfman, how he he's just all over and he does all different types of things. I don't because I'm not talented in that way. But I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm, I disagree. I'm, I disagree. I'm a, I think I'm very. Artistic. I mean, I'm a writer above all. I'm a writer. Uh-huh. So, in, in the format I know how to write in musically mm-hmm. is uh, is lyrics, hip hop lyrics. I'm an MC. But I mean, yeah. I did write a screen. I wrote a screenplay last year. There's other forms of writing I do. I, I write personal narrative stuff, and you know that I don't act. I don't publish or anything like that. But I write. You know, I write. You should give them to somebody who has like the music part and see if they could put it to a different type and be like, wow, I never heard it that way. Hey, Find your know. Open, you know, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still a young man. You are. You are. You're, you're only, like, me. <laughs> I think you're two young, years younger than me. And I'm just like, oh, he seems so young. <laughs> just two years. How old is your son? My son is 11. He's 11. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a 12 year old, so I, I get it. And all my yeah, all my kids are. She's um, got, she's got a. a, a yeah, class. I, I I'm Irish, and yeah, we're all Irish. Oh well, Annie's Annie's married into the Irish, <laughs> but um, yeah, four kids, but they're all grown because I started early like an idiot. So um, I disagree. I think you were smart. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> um, we have a question that we ask um, all of our guests. And it has nothing to do with sobriety. Okay. If you could go back in time with only a 15 minute window, where would you uh, want to go? When would you want your time to start? And what are you trying to witness or confirm or clarify in history? Can't change anything. Oh my God. Can't change history. Uh, you should have sent me that question earlier so I could have thought about it. <laughs> it's okay. We we don't even mind brainstorming because I I I did because I'm a history nerd. So I went my first answer, and we kind of developed this question. So the question wasn't quite like that at first. And my first answer was something really nerdy about enlightenment theory, which <laughs> I got. I looked at her. I was like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, she gave me a lot of shit for liking the Enlightenment theory. I'm like, That's "I'm so sorry. <laughs> I have a degree <laughs> in history. I'm sorry." Um, but then I like after we worked through it, I realized how much OJ and Nicole how that affected me because I grew up in Southern California, and um, I wouldn't want to see it. But at the same time, I'd kind of want to see just who was there you know, in front of her condo that night. Um, right. Yeah. So that was the one I came up with. And then it's still, it's still awful. I wish I could have so come you, up with you're something You're talking else. about like a historical event, like a Any, No, it could history. be anything. It, yeah, could be, it, it, could be, it could be anything, anything in this entire world. Like I had said, the grassy knoll. Like I want to be on the grassy knoll 15 minutes before JFK's head goes, because I want to see where everybody's lined up, where all the characters are. Because once it happens, Everybody kind of documents where they are. Yeah. I want to be there the 15 minutes prior to it happening. That way you could see who's setting up where and who's crouching down behind which fence. Yeah, I think you know? Danny picked something with the sex pistols. Was that? Oh, yeah, yeah. One? How the first thing happened. How the yeah. thing about. Yeah. Um, I mean, so many things are flashing through my head from my personal life. but Of course. You know, well, like, that could be one, too. I mean, not that you would want to share nothing, one. You know. The thing is, is 
I really believe everything happens for a reason and I can't I do change too. anything, you know? Cause, oh you know, yeah. Well, first, this isn't even changing. This is no, just witnessing. Just You're just how it happened. Yeah. Somebody yeah. actually DM'd me once, you know, wouldn't you want to go back and see how 9-11 went down? I'm like, buddy, I was there. <laughs> I don't need to go relive it. Any of that. Did he not know your story? I know my story and everything. He's like, wouldn't I, you want to go see from a clear mind? And um, years later, I'm like, yeah, no. no, I would never relive that. No, not. So, um, Slain or George, I, I know that, you know, not talking with Nako and being friends with um, him and Danny, I, they call you George. So I'm not sure mm-hmm. if I should say George or Slain or whatever. <laughs> it's but, all good. Um, People call me George. Yeah, I was going to say, Annie, um, I know that we didn't get to do a lot of background, but Annie uh, used to work on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange and she worked for her father and um, some family members and their company was in the um, towers at a breakfast and Annie um, was supposed to be there, but was at a dental appointment uh, the night before and, and did not go to the appointment um, in the towers. And so she witnessed everything that happened. So to have somebody DM her and ask her about that when she lost her father, her uncles, and the pretty much the whole company is kind of, that's why our reactions were <laughs> the way they were, because she lived it like front row. <laughs> So, so it's like triggering the trauma for you. Yeah, just but and then I was thinking about like you know to your point when you were saying something personal to deal with it. Maybe it wouldn't be such a bad idea to be able to deal with like face a fear of mine, and you know it makes you deal with a reality. And maybe all the things that I've done the last nineteen years that were a result of it, maybe it would make me deal with some stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's tough. Like, like I, I mean, my my best friend Mike uh, passed away, and uh, on October first, twenty seventeen, I had set my alarm for six thirty a.m. to pick him up. I mean, for seven a.m. to pick him up, and his mom called me at six thirty to tell me that he was found dead. And uh, you know, I was gonna pick him up the day before. And we decided to do it on the Sunday instead. And I, you know, the first thought that came through my mind was, I wish I could go back to the Saturday and pick him up that day. Mm. You know, um, you know, but again, everything happens for a reason. And I did get to tell him that I love him and stuff before that. And got to spend I'm so a lot happy of time you got to do that. Honestly, I'm yeah. so happy you got to do that. That's, that's. That's all, you know, like that, I like, I know you can't change the past, but that's something you, that's also something you can't change. You can't change that You had the opportunity to do that. And I, 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 you know, I think about stuff like that because I would love to have been able to have done that. You know, and I have other, I mean, I have a few regrets in my life that I wish I could go back and change. So, I mean, there's some other moments too that I, that probably keep to myself, but I would love to go back and change them. But again, I got to go back to everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. I really believe that like, you know, every snowflake falls in the exact spot. It's supposed to There's There's order. There's a, there's a universal order that's going on. It's all part of a bigger picture than we can see. So it's like, you really can't change any of it. That's exactly the way it's supposed to be. 
Are you and, a uh, person? Um, I don't. I'm Catholic uh, by culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went to Catholic <laughs> high school. I, I went to Catholic school a little bit and grammar school, and uh, you know, I'm not against the Catholic Church at all. I, I'm, uh, but I don't subscribe really to one religion by the book. I, uh, I've definitely like really kind of. I'm kind of in the Eckhart Tolle school of thought. <laughs> really? And I, I mean, I really love Eckhart Tolle stuff. Huh. I love, I've been reading, I've probably gone through this book 25 times in New Earth. I love it. Like, I really, it's really helped me a lot, actually. Have you read 10% Happier? I haven't. Okay. There's some references in there. Um, so that's next. That, that's a, a, a book or two down the way for me to pick up um, is some of the books that were referenced in that book. So that's very, that's very interesting. I, I went down this whole path. We, we actually had Lisa Ann um, on who was obviously in uh, the adult industry and now she does fancy sports and she's been on our podcast with us and she's amazing. And she talks, um, she, you know, told everybody about her transformation from that industry into the fantasy world, plus minimalizing and taking on a totally different look in life um, and just kind of cleaning out what she didn't need mentally and, um, you know, in her home and in her life. And it kind of started a whole avalanche, even with me, where I'm just tossing things left and right that I don't need, keeping things that make me happy. And, um, and then there's this, uh, sort of this spiritualism, sort of not, not so much religion-y, but it's the whole meditation type stuff. Yeah, I meditate. I, I mean, I think anybody who, all you have to do is look, go outside and look up. I mean, yeah. we're part of something that's so spectacular and like our minds can't even understand what we're part of. Like, what, what is this? What is this? We're, we're part of like, this incredible, incredible, infinite design. And to think that the, you know, I think people get lost in like the minutia and the, and just like the really bullshit of life, like just the everyday kind of mundane stuff or their own small problems and stuff like that. And it's like, we are part of something so spectacular, so spectacular that our minds can't even comprehend what it is. So to not, I mean, to not believe in the power of at least the universe or, you know, a, a higher power of our own misunderstanding. I mean, that, that is the most mind-numbing thing of all to me is when people think like, and, and a lot of people get very uh, aggressive with it too. There's no, what do you believe in the man in the sky? Like, what do you believe in? You believe in God? That's stupid. It's all bullshit. You know, they people get really combative. It's like there's something. There's something. We'll I agree something. with that. I feel that way whenever I remember something. Like there's gotta be a reason we have memory. Right? Like like I, I don't know. That that that's something that I remember having this conversation with my aunt. It's like there's gotta be a reason why we have these feelings. Like just feelings in general or memories in general. Like it's gotta be connected to something. Absolutely pleasure and pain and uh, by the way it seems like uh 
you know, all the good stuff, all the stuff that, that is kind of gives you kind of temporary satisfaction is, is bad for you too. So there's like all these metaphors and <laughs> life is, life is fucked. Tough. It's not easy. No. So now when you, and the, wake- best stuff, the best stuff always comes from the most painful, you know, when you're going through like a really tremendous amount of pain, that's when you grow the most and become a better version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you're, you know, when you're in kind of a comfort zone, that's when you get stagnant. Sure. And we, but we all seek the comfort. We want the comfort, but really you can find some gratitude in, in painful situations too. Cause they kind of really project, they, you know, they, they, um, push you to the next level but they bring people together think about all people in an elevator everybody gets on an elevator and they just stand there they don't look at each other they all look down or look up no one ever looks and says anything to each other and then all of a sudden the elevator like jolts and everyone's like oh my god did you feel that now everybody's best friends (laughs) yeah right like something happened and now it brought everybody together so some you know something shocking something alarming you know everybody gets scared that feeling of fear brings people together it's weird. So now when tomorrow morning, when you wake up, what is like, what is, what is Slane do tomorrow morning on Friday? Well, tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up probably around 6 a.m. I'm going to uh, go meet up with some friends that I meet up with in the mornings and, uh, you know, kind of get centered spiritually. Then I'm going to uh, probably go to the gym. My son has uh February vacation, so I'm gonna go hang with him after that. Oh, he's got and the whole then, week uh, off. I wish my kids had the whole week off. Yeah, he has February vacation, so he's had a basketball tournament all week. So we've been running around. And he does. He's already in preseason warmups for baseball indoors and stuff like that. He's a pretty serious athlete. Nice, awesome. So yeah, I'll be I doing have that, that with my stuff, oldest. And then I'm doing <laughs> doing some service work in the evening, and you know, and then uh, yeah, I mean, I try to try to stay busy like with stuff like that especially like i said i've been in a lot of pain lately so like when i'm in a lot of pain what i try to do is focus on the gratitude and help other people and uh, and stay busy with my work and try to center myself spiritually it's hard to stay focused isn't it sucks (laughs) oh absolutely (laughs) yeah that's that's actually one thing um i wanted to ask you about with your, you know, when Annie was asking you something earlier, there's certain things that you don't, not that you were asking for you to tell us, but there's certain things that you have to deal with because they're so personal. And how, how do you go about healing yourself when um, you really don't even want to revisit some of the things that you've thought, said, or done um, in the past that you are still bothered by? Like I, I have something that I brought up today out of the blue with somebody just because the person I knew was able to handle it. And I haven't been able to talk to anybody about this in um, like 12 years, like 12 oh, years wow. went by and I have felt so much guilt. And today of all days, this person who I knew had the same pain and maybe even greater, I was able to tell them something and they were able to, you know, give me a perspective and it, I mean, but it took that long. It took over a decade for me to get, to be to a point where I might now be able to start forgiving myself or something. It's, and I'm not, it wasn't due to alcohol. It wasn't due to drug act. It wasn't due to any of those types of things coming from me, but 
it's difficult. It is. And like I said, it's like water over a stone because I, I can let something go and feel better about it. And then three days later, start spinning in it again. So, I mean, it's really kind of a daily thing. Yeah. And that's why like, I wake up in the morning and go ground myself because if I don't, I mean, it's like a full-time job. And maybe that's just because I'm a particularly sick individual, but, you know, it's a full-time job to center myself, get myself right. And I have to balance all these things. And, you know, to get outside of my own head, help other people. It's really like integral. It's, it's imperative that I do that in order for me to be like a functioning, healthy, you know, member of society in general, but also to be a good dad, to be a good friend, to do all that stuff. I have to really put the work into it. It just doesn't, I don't just wake up and, and do that. Like I have to, really follow kind of a regimen for myself and make sure I hold myself accountable. I talk to other people who are kind of living on the same path as me. And, uh, yeah. And, and in, even with that, there's still stuff like you said that, you know, kind of you've left it, you've kind of left that bag in the, in the basement or whatever. Hmm. And then when it's time to unpack it, it kind of reveals itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was uh, interesting. I kind of almost felt bad for the person because I was like, uh, all right. So, <laughs> and, you know, and it was and it was tough and it wasn't something that the person took lightly. Like they could understand what it was that, you know, I have been carrying around with me. And it was just it's it's rough. Uh, what do you have uh, coming up next in the next year or so? And I know you dropped a album, I want to say October, November. Yeah, I dropped an album November 22nd right. called One, One Day. And uh, I've been recording too, so I have some, I have new stuff coming soon. Okay. And uh, I'm like really, like I said, I'm having an avalanche of creativity musically right now. And uh, I'm just really focused on that. I'm, you know, I'm, I have a screenplay that I'm going to try to get made into a film and, uh, and I'm auditioning sometimes for different stuff and all that. So I really kind of just got to let things come to me. Right. But right now I'm really, uh, I wake up and I'm thinking about lyrics and going to the studio and, you know. Will that, that be for, that would be for just another individual album yeah. or will that be for La Coca Nostra or? I think a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Okay. But it's all it's all kind of a similar process to me. I'm you know I'm writing lyrics and going in the studio and making music, and I you know I talk to Danny pretty regularly. I talk to Bill pretty regularly. Yeah. And uh, you know, like I said, I just let it try to let everything everything kind of reveals itself and comes when it's supposed to. I think that with the conversation today, that was supposed to happen the way it was, and it was it, it's a divine appointment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to start talking to you regularly every day. That way you can remind me <laughs> I know. myself that I'm I got right. myself. <laughs> I'm already like, okay, I need to, I really do need this because it's, it is something I need to do and I'm trying to do it on my own. And that's another thing is I'm so stubbornly, um, I don't know, just stubborn. I, I just refuse to let anyone in <laughs> do anything for me. So um, are you doing this a lot on your own, George? Is that, is this a lot of like, Stuff that you're trying to just try to sort out yourself. What do you mean, doing what? Like just this, all the stuff that you're working through. Like when you go, when you when you 
now that you're, um, how many years now is it that you're sober? Coming up on six. Yeah. Like, like I'm sure that it comes in waves, right? Like you have high tides and low tides and you, and you like things come into your brain. They creep into your mind, probably like midnight when you don't want them to just like everybody else. And you're like, try to put, you don't want to deal with them, but it's just, is like, you have to work on it every day. Like that's something that you deal with every day. Do you find that you is other than your music and your creative outlet, is there other stuff that you use to help you sort through it? Or do you just, you know? Oh yeah. hundred percent. So I mean like the, you know, the, like the program of sobriety, I work, I do that daily. And, um, and part of that is like, I help other people. I talk to people that I look up to in the program. And, uh, you know, I also, I meditate, I pray, mm-hmm. um, you know, I do things for people without expecting anything in return. Like those are things I have to do just on a daily basis. So, mm-hmm. I, that, you know, and, and there's, there's times where I, you know, long, long periods of time where everything is great and I'm in a great space mentally, spiritually and all that. But I've been taught like, that's when you need to chop wood for the storm, yeah. you know, cause eventually like, you know, like I, I was just saying, I, I went through it. I've been going through a tough time for about five months now. And, you know, that's, you know, I got to continue to do the work I've always done, but if I kind of let my God down when things are good and then something happens or a series of things happen that really knocks me off my course or punches me in the mouth, then, uh, then I'm in a bad place. If I haven't been kind of staying centered spiritually and focused and, you know, doing the right thing, then something like that could really, you know, make me come back with like, all right, I got two days sober and I'm not trying to do that ever again. Right. You know? No, definitely. Definitely think you're on a great path. I mean, almost six years and, um, it would be really nice. I know it just didn't work out, but I would love to have all three of you. Um, um, obviously Danny and Nako on just because they, they have different stories and what they've done. And just to kind of hear you, um, the three of you bounce off of each other about how, uh, you know, how certain things have helped and how you came about knowing you need a change and, and how it impacted other people. And, you know, not to, not to get too personal with like the people that you obviously don't want to share, you know, their side of it. But, you know, I think the three of you have totally different stories and um, two of you were around Danny when he was sober <laughs> and you guys weren't. So um, well, that's I was around Danny when he was using too. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, obviously. Yes. But then he got, you know, he got clean. And um, yeah. so that's, that's a, that's a whole thing that I know that we didn't even really get to touch on tonight, but I would love to have you um, come back. And um, I really yeah, do true. appreciate you coming on um, tonight. Uh, Very much us. so. I hope I didn't ask anything too personal because I will, I'll go down that road with you and I'll just deep dive into everything and, you know, Oh, trust me. I can't even listen to stuff after I do it because I'll, I'll, oh, I can't believe I said that. Why did not get so personal? <laughs> I've done it before, trust me. The obsessive mind. Um, thank you so much. Very happy to, to have you on. And um, I hope you have a great day tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah, yeah keep doing what you're doing. Honestly, it's, in, it's incredible. You're definitely an inspiration to people. I love hearing about it, you know?
I feel like I want to, I honestly, I feel like I want to call you up tomorrow and just like, you know, shoot the shit about something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you are, you're, 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 you're cool to talk to. And I appreciate you coming, giving us your time. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. All right. Have an awesome weekend. All right. Good night. Good night. All right. See you. Say it's a face. This ain't fun and games over here. 